Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hello. Hello. I'm Jess. And I'm James. And we're the hosts of the Sit for a Spell podcast. We're a comedy podcast that covers the lore, traditions, and modern practices of the occult. Want to learn what crystals to use in your daily life? Or what the Mothman is up to these days? What about the history behind tarot cards? How about how to protect your home from that ghost in your closet? You can learn all this and more in just an hour or so every Thursday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you pod. Follow us on all social media at Sit for a Spell Pod for spooky content, updates, and giveaways. So come sit for a spell and learn with us. Bye. Bye. Hello there. This is Liz and Samantha at Perhaps It's You an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. And we're here and we're going to try our darndest. So <laughs> look, we're doing our best. <laughs> I'm Liz. I'm, I'm Samantha. And we're, we're dedicated podcasters. That's what I got to say. Hell yeah, we are. Because this week, it's only Tuesday, but it's just like not going well. How could it possibly be only Tuesday? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. It's got to be at least Thursday. We got the our T's days mixed up, certainly. There's no way. Well, I definitely, like, on all of our social media was like, perhaps it's you, back tomorrow. And then you were like, Liz, tomorrow's Wednesday. And I was like, huh. That's an interesting fact. Because we definitely were supposed to be coming back on a Thursday. But I didn't know what day it was, so. That's fine. Whatever. You know, again, the goal this year is just to literally just to survive. And if you do anything on top of that, like, kudos to you. But <sighs> damn, 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 damn. Do we have any updates? I don't really have any updates. Just, you know, thank you to all of our listeners for um, the love for our starting season six. Oh, absolutely. Um, to yes. be excited that we're back. We just passed a milestone, didn't we, with our downloads? We just passed 150,000 total downloads, which I think is mostly my mom going to different libraries, downloading the show on different computers. But I think we should recognize her determination, her patience. Absolutely her support of this program to be willing to hit all those different IP addresses. Like, thanks mom. It's <laughs> a lot of work. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks mom. Thanks mama Walker. Um, hmm, I don't know. I don't, I, my mind is a blur. It's, it's, everything seems really foggy today. So you reminded me that we had done a virtual tour over the weekend yeah. through through Mysterious Chicago. And even though I enjoyed the tour and I thought it was really informative, I like completely forgot that we had done that. I did. So. And I feel like I, I didn't, although I really, really liked it. I maintained, I re- retained only like nuggets of information. Like I remember him talking about some dude getting eaten by a wolf. And yeah, yeah, it was it was about early Chicago murders. So like the first murders that happened after Chicago was established as a city. And there was a lot of information. There was a lot of um, visuals. It was hosted by this guy named Adam. And he clearly really knew his shit. And he had done a lot of research on this. And he had a lot of 
you know, um, documentation and stuff to support his facts. And he was also just like funny and interesting. But he went through that information really quick. And I am not a morning person. And it was in the morning. And when it was over, I was like, well, I think I retained none of that. <laughs> like, it was interesting. I enjoyed it. I'm glad we did it. I could not tell you anything that I learned. What I will say about it is that it was highly entertaining. The production value was way better than I expected. So much better than what I thought we were getting, which might have been like a phone video of a cemetery or something. I was expecting video and this had like choreographed audio. Yeah. (laughs) He would like pull in like photos of the people if there was any known photos or illustrations from the newspaper at the time from like when they went on trial. He was pulling up all this different stuff like, you know that he had found in his research and that was really cool i was not expecting that um just from the chat it's clear that lots of people listen to like all of his talks and then like kind of know each other in the chat which is funny (laughs) because they'd be like hey guys sorry i'm a little late like (laughs) blah 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 so there's like a little community of people that are listening to these mysterious Chicago talks, which was interesting. Um, if you're interested in checking one out, I highly recommend it. Uh, you just have to, it's like through Facebook. It's like a Facebook live thing. So if you just follow mysterious Chicago on Facebook, you can watch the tours there. Um, the event page had a like link to Eventbrite to buy a ticket, but you don't actually need one. And he puts up his Venmo and maybe his PayPal so you can tip him for the talk. I don't know. We each gave $10, which is – I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's what we did. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I I would do it again. I, but, yeah, man, I wish I had an interesting factoid to share with everyone, and I really don't. I kind of don't either, but I, I did really enjoy it. You definitely get more than you do on a tour. I mean, obviously, a tour is nice to walk around and see things for yourself, but you don't get to see photos, newspaper clippings, things like that. In like a, You don't a get to see the outrageous theater. mustaches that, that were yes. part of life in early Chicago, which That's was true. definitely a thing. Um, yeah, so much murder. Yeah, and I think he has some, like, more, like, coming up, some, like, different themed tours coming up. I know there's one on Christmas Eve, and I think there's one about women. I don't the The lineup looked really interesting, so I would definitely recommend checking it out. Something fun to do virtually. Yeah, I hadn't done any virtual tours, I guess, so far. This is the first one I had done. I guess the idea seemed a little depressing to me. I know it's like a way to do an activity when we can't go outside, but I previously hadn't really had a lot of appeal to me. But then I realized that Samantha and I could do the same one and then talk about it. And that seemed more appealing than just like me doing it by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, stay out of early Chicago. Yeah. So sounds sounds dangerous. Don't recommend. This guy was way better than our ghost tour bus guy. <laughs> you may recall that we when we were in Chicago for the podcast festival, of course, we naturally decided we needed to do a ghost tour and we did the one with the bus. But we got this very grumpy guy that just wanted to complain about his ex-wife that owns the business named Ursula and he kept referring to different parts of Chicago as Skid Row, which is unfortunate and also inaccurate um 
My favorite part about that tour, I think I mentioned this last time we talked about it, but there was a bunch of teenagers on this (laughs) tour with us. It was like a a football team or something, but there was a bunch of teenagers and like halfway through the tour, some teenage boy in the back of the bus just goes, I thought there were going to be ghosts. (laughs) They were clearly so like disappointed and just ready to get the fuck off that bus because he didn't even talk about hauntings he just pointed out areas where people had died and said a lot of people died here so there must be ghosts which i don't think that guy believes in ghosts um which i don't know if you have to believe in ghosts to give it to ghost tour but he wasn't even entertaining the possibility of ghosts (laughs) he was literally just be like yeah a boat sank here a ton of people died i don't know make of it what you will (laughs) my favorite part of that tour was how much he really harped on the fact that the john hancock building is like a portal to evil and that that's why it's full of so many spiders (laughs) and now i will i will never look at that building the same he really did make it sound like there's just it's crawling with spiders like you might open up a door and it's just a horror movie level of (laughs) Of just gigantic and i guess it's more on like the outside or maybe the inside too but just because it's so tall the, the spiders are up there to, like, keep warm. I don't know. I'm never going to the top of the John Hancock building. That's for sure. <laughs> it's apparently sure. Australia up there. No thanks. I read a book series that actually is partially set in Minnesota that I did really like. If you're a Oh, I remember this. I yes. do not recommend it. Maybe I recommend it on the podcast. It's called Skitter. I think it's the Yes, the you did. It's you completely did. ridiculous. But also, I was thoroughly entertained in all three books. But it's about gigantic like end of the world like spider plague like these spiders take over the world and i would i would what kill i pictured myself coming out at the, the top beginning of, of this plague building if that's <laughs> yeah, what's coming for us in 2021 peace out it's been real i'm not sticking around to see how the gigantic spider plague ends up <laughs> no nah. i don't want to i don't want to be one of the like last five people on earth that has to make peace with the giant spiders pass <laughs> pass you know i give my life I, uh, maybe a B plus, and I'll just check out now. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I should really go talk to uh, Lakewood Cemetery about getting that that spot I want in the mausoleum. Yeah, gotta, I got to find out how much that costs. Got to start saving up. <laughs> I would. I would be nice to go on like a a real cemetery tour, ghost tour. It would. Maybe. Maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I really want to go to a museum. Ugh. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I would love to wander around a museum until I get a little bit tired, take a break for a couple of tea, and then be like, I'm back. Another floor. Let's go. That sounds so good. Okay. Now I'm just making everyone sad. <laughs> I think it's time to talk talk about an always cheery topic. Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah. We're on season six, episode two. This one isn't like as soul crushingly depressing as episode one. No, it would have been nicer to open with this one, honestly. Or maybe they could have put the hypnosis and the paranormal one from this episode of one episode and opened with that. Yeah. It would have been a good opening to the season. Oh, well. No one listens to me. Right. Um, (laughs) Which obviously they should. I have all the the ideas for Unsolved Mysteries. Call me up. All right, our first mystery is a wanted. We are looking for the true identity of convicted bank robber Jose Antonio Gonzalez, who Robert Stack tells us 
it, that is a known alias. So we know his name is not Jose Antonio Gonzalez, but we don't know what his real name is. That's kind of an exciting phrase, isn't it? A little bit. Known alias. I don't have, I guess I do have a known alias because I don't go by my first name. Your name is a known alias. Ooh, I feel so like a spy. I'm Honey West right now. Yeah. 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 Okay. Known alias. So on December 11th, 1990, two bank employees arrived at a mall in Anchorage, Alaska to restock an automated teller machine. The security guard took the cash into a small secluded room behind the machine while the the teller went outside to reprogram the ATM. There are some dedicated employees working on the weekend. Uh, When she returned to the room, a masked man appeared and put a gun to her back. He demanded that she open the door to the room. Once inside, he had the teller put the money in a bag. He tied up the security guard and demanded that the teller grab the tape from the surveillance camera. After that, the robber left with the money and the tape. That's the thing. This guy really knew what he was doing. We see a lot of robbers who honestly shouldn't be robbing. Like Fumbles? Exactly. If you get known as fumbles, maybe <laughs> robbery isn't your vocation of choice. Like maybe that's not your destiny, fumbles. But this guy, he seems to really know his shit. And I'm yeah. kind of impressed, I have to admit. Yeah, this is not his first time. Uh, the FBI believed that the robbery was an inside job, although the two employees did not recognize their assailant. Suspicion soon fell on Gonzalez, who was a former security guard at the bank. At the time, he was already being investigated for a similar robbery. (laughs) He also, okay, in the reenactment, he's being played by a dude who's like way bigger than him. Like reenactment him is, looks like a 90s baseball player and has a mustache. Yes. Did you name it? The Magnum P.I., which I don't think we've used yet. Why have we not used that one yet? I don't know. I don't think we have, but that's definitely this mustache. Yeah, I totally agree. So, however, he vanished before he could be questioned. Two days later, at a post office in Redmond, Washington, a worker noticed a partially opened package. Upon further investigation, he saw a gun inside the package. Whoops. Yeah, the address on the box was for Gonzalez. The return Okay, actually, was- maybe I was giving him too much credit. <laughs> Gonna interrupt you just to say he couldn't even tape a box closed properly. So he, Not only could he not tape a box closed properly, but he mailed his guns to himself. <laughs> to his own name. So Yeah, uh, that's not the, the best name he was move. using <laughs> during his crime. Oh, true. So, his known alias. Not hmm. smart. Not smart. Hmm. So another box was also found that was addressed to Gonzalez. Postal inspectors obtained a warrant to inspect both boxes, and they found several loaded guns and a bag containing $65,000 in cash. (sighs) So not looking good. This was the The evidence is really mounting up. Yeah, especially because that was the exact amount taken from the Anchorage ATM. Exactly. And it's not like a, a, a... you know, common number. No, it was sixty five thousand five hundred and forty dollars, <laughs> and it was exactly that, like exactly that amount. Ah, uh, yeah, that is a little suspicious. I don't know that that counts as like hard evidence, but it's hard to deny that coincidence. No, Jose, you you need to split up your your package. Yeah, Jose. Mail it all in one package to yourself and include a loaded gun. 
I'll say lots of people that send me packages actually address them to my dog, Lenny Briscoe, and if they include guns and money and stuff, I guess I'll just be like, I don't know, my dog must have ordered that. <laughs> wasn't me. Look, my dog's on Ambien. He's been doing a lot of late night shopping. I can't control I'm not, it. I'm not responsible for this crazed creature. You don't know what he's like. <laughs> So after this, the postal inspectors set up what they call a controlled delivery, which is essentially a sting operation in which they hide out at the post office when he comes to get his packages. That's an exciting day at the post office. I'm I want to see that. <laughs> the postal police come and do a sting. Yeah. It does sound I've always thought I would be good at being the postal employee at the post office that just kind of has to yell at everyone for not following the rules. You know what I think, why I think that being uh working at a post office might be i'm not gonna say like a good customer service job because i'm not sure that that exists but it's not a job where you're expected to be friendly because <laughs> i don't no. know that i've ever met a friendly person i have met some but in a way it's a hindrance because you can't just be like chatting people up what at least not in a like city post office no, you gotta move people out. along yeah, yeah. No. no time so, for chit chat here you do, yeah, you need someone who's more of like a, a stickler and uh, hopefully does a lot of dramatic sighing. I like that in a postal employee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think I might be good at it. Working it's at something I feel that's like in my mind. Working at a post office or working at an impound lot, you don't need to. You don't need to be. You don't need to smile. I appreciate any <laughs> job where I don't have to smile. That's yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I I, would, I I think you could be good at it. I could also be good at it. Um, so on December 14th... <laughs> Where you just start like, ma'am, this isn't taped closed. This is not going to work. <laughs> what is this? A, did yeah. your dog chew up this box? I'm what sorry, what? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> on December 14th, 1990, Gonzalez arrived to pick up his packages in Redmond. He left with his packages and was immediately arrested as he placed them into his car. He was charged with armed bank robbery and four counts of illegal transportation of firearms. Once in custody, he was quite cooperative, almost too cooperative. (laughs) Which is not a phrase I don't think we've heard before. Where people are like, uh, could you actually stop giving us so much information about yourself? He pretty much sat down and was like, here's my social security number. Here's where I grew up. This is where I was born. This is my first, middle, and last name. And the investigators were like, why are you telling us all of this? I went to the seventh grade homecoming glance with a girl named Danielle. Write that down. Right. Uh, <laughs> my favorite color is teal. They were like, we do not care. Stop talking about yourself. So he told the investigators he was born in Puerto Rico, graduation, graduated from Knickerbocker High School in New York, and attended West Virginia University. He also listed his birth date, social security number, and other personal information. However, all of the information he gave ended up to be completely false. Ah, you don't say. Yeah. Investigators did locate a Jose Antonio Gonzalez, who was born in Puerto Rico in 1952. However, it was a child who ended up dying of tetanus just 10 days after their birth. It is believed that the robber stole the child's identity. Under further questioning, he told investigators that he had served in the French Foreign Legion for several years. He also claimed to be a mixed martial arts expert. I don't know (laughs) if we're taking that as fact. I once punched a shark. Like, I uh, just whatever you want to say about yourself. I don't know if we get can it out there. This guy says. And so mysteries told us this as if it might lead to us finding him. Like, oh. yeah, yeah. Like, go find this martial artist. I'd be like, <laughs> I used to be a first class sprinter. 
<laughs> they would look at me like, really? <laughs> Just whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. Although while awaiting trial, it was discovered that he was fluent in at least four different languages, English, Spanish, French, and, and Croatian. Um, Which a- seems so handy in prison. Man, what an asset. Yeah. Um, on October 15th, 1992, Gonzalez was convicted of armed bank robbery and sentenced to the Sheridan Federal Penitentiary in Oregon. Is it really called the Sheridan? Or is it Sheridan? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Calling it the Sheridan, Sheridan sounds kind of cruel. Maybe it's just an old hotel and they put bars on the roofs. I don't I, look. I watched this episode several days ago. I don't exactly remember yeah, how it was pronounced. It's totally gone from my brain. Who knows? Investigators believed that two women associated with him may hold the key to his identity. His girlfriend, Brenda Penninger, and a woman named Nadine Castell. However, both women vanished before they could be questioned. And to date, no one knows who Gonzalez really is or what happened to him. I can't remember if it was Brenda or Nadine who was like this mysterious woman that had never had a job but had all this money. And they thought that maybe she was like setting up. Yeah, she seemed cool. She was like getting his identities and stuff. Um, She tried to pick up his car and they wouldn't let her. Oh, yeah. She went to the impound lot and tried to get his car and they were like, who are you? But she just seemed like this yeah woman of mystery that didn't work and just like yeah. arranged things for criminals and took a cut yeah pretty so, swanky life so this mystery is solved as a result of yeah because someone's a narc yeah who turned him in it's true gonzalez has been identified and i'm gonna probably mispronounce his name it is millerad vikovic he was a 27 year old yugoslavian national who was born in france he was deported to france after serving eight years in prison penninger and castell were both located after the broadcast as well but they were never charged in connection to the robberies so Hmm. yep this guy seems interesting i'll say yeah i feel bad for the people with the robbery that was probably traumatic but Otherwise, I'm just intrigued. Other than that, I am kind of just intrigued. I kind of think man's life. He seems like he probably has a good story, but we don't really get much of it. No, sadly, no. Okay, I have a paranormal mystery for everyone. Yes, aka the unexplained, which goes back to October 21st, 1978, in Australia, around 6 p.m. The I wrote down what type of airplane this is, and I'm already like, huh, I don't know what this word is. <laughs> Cessna 182? Okay. It's a little plane. Hey, yeah, it's a little plane. It left from Robert Robin Airport near Melbourne. The pilot was 20-year-old Frederick Valentik. Uh, he had been flying for two years, and his goal was to become a commercial pilot. This flight was to fly for 40 minutes along the coast and then south to King Island and back. He had flown this route before, and it was a pretty straightforward flight. Um, About halfway through the flight, he contacted um, air control to say that there was a large aircraft above him. He reported that it had one or two lights. It was passing 1,000 feet above him. It was traveling at a fast speed. There was no known aircraft in the area. Um, The person he was talking to at aircraft control air traffic control said that he wasn't panicking but he sounded confused and concerned in the reenactment this is literally like a hovering green glowing sphere <laughs> like a laser pointer in the yeah and not even a sphere yeah like a dot that he's like um what is this is this a military aircraft and ground control or whatever you call it it's just like what no i don't know 
Um, he reported that it was now hovering over him and that it was not an aircraft. Okay, then there's an unidentifiable clicking noise, and then the radio went dead. So there's been no sign of his aircraft ever. They never found it. There was no evidence of a crash. However, an eyewitness did come forward. They were out in a Jeep at the time, uh, driving along the coast, and they noticed a strange activity in the sky. They saw a green light floating 1,000 to maybe 2,000 feet above an airplane. And the airplane was flying at a steep angle, so the driver of this Jeep was concerned the plane would crash, but the plane actually, like, went out of his view, behind, at least in the reenactment, behind, like, a mountain or a cliff. So he didn't see exactly what happened. Uh, at this time, a photographer was also taking photographs of the sunset, and one of those photographs has a dark blob in it. And I'm here to tell you, that is an error in developing. That is not... <laughs> What? You Are you talking about that blob even... that looks like the film got burned <laughs> isn't a UFO? Oh my god. He sends it to some place for analysis and they tell him like this is definitely in the photograph and it's not part of the developing and it's a metallic object. And you're just like, no, it's not. Like I'm not an expert. And you just look at this misshapen dark thing and you're like, that is not something of substance. That is not something that's in a photograph. Oh, it literally that looks is... like it got burnt or smudged yeah. or something it's that clearly on um, something was in the chemicals or dust i don't know it's not anything and no i don't know why i find this so frustrating but then he sends it to a second place for analysis and they're like yeah that's just a flaw like <laughs> why did you even send us this he did admit that when he was taking the photographs he didn't see or hear anything so okay so it's an invisible ufo <laughs> Yeah. Is it a ghost? Yeah, I mean, I guess. This is weird because no wreckage is ever recovered. We hear from his father. That's really sad. He kept all his stuff, hoping that at one point Frederick was going to come home. But that never happens. Well, um, it's sad because his family had actually, before they were notified that his plane had gone down, they heard about the crash and they knew that this was a route he flew a lot. And so they were like, oh no, I hope that's not our son and then they got the call it's so so sad yeah it's really sad um unsolved mysteries wiki tells us that no trace of him or his plane has ever been found but in 1983 the engine cow flap which i have no idea what that is the same type of the of this plane washed ashore at flanders island the flap had a partial serial number on it that matched the serial number from his plane it could be from his plane but it can't be conclusively determined as other similar planes had lost that part in the same area around the same time um Speculation is that he became disoriented after seeing a bright planet or stars or a meteor shower in the sky. This this last part I'm going to reject. A Another theory planet? is which is like very small. I don't know how disoriented he would be by that. Another theory is that he became inverted mid-flight and saw reflections off the water. Mm. I'm going to say no to that. This guy's been flying for 2 years. He's already flown this route you don't think he knows he's upside down? Interesting. I yeah, don't buy that last hard one. To believe. I have so as someone who's watched a lot of air disasters, I've seen a few where there is this phenomena where like especially but it's not usually on a clear day. Like if you can see the horizon, you don't but I mean maybe if he's over water he can't. Um where like if if you're especially if your instruments aren't exactly reading correctly, then you might 
feel like your body might feel like you are upright when you're really sideways um and if you can't okay. see the horizon then you have no way of, of knowing and but he doesn't report any issue seeing anything or anything wrong with his equipment no he doesn't so that's strange and it was a clear day i would think that he'd be able to see the horizon so i don't know most that's of this segment odd. is just a reenactment of a guy in a plane seeing a light it's a really long reenactment. They seem to reenact the entire exchange with I him. Think they and, do. and it's very long and it's really just, I'm seeing something. What are you seeing? I'm seeing something. What are you seeing? It's like that over and over again for a really long time when there's really not much to this mystery. I don't know. They drag it out quite a bit. It is mysterious. I'll say that. Sure. And it's dramatic. They Although they make it seem like maybe his plane was abducted. <laughs> like the, the UFO yes, snatched that's, his plane. That's the theory that unsolved mysteries would like to put up there not that he was upside down or saw a planet i mean i guess i don't have a good explanation of what happened no um it's just because there's no wreckage found like passenger he was over water it's a very small plane disappeared and haven't a trace of them hasn't been found yeah i I guess they could have been it's very sad i feel real bad for his dad who was basically just waiting for him to come home and doesn't seem like he got to grieve properly the loss of his son uh i don't know that i think an entire plane was abducted but what the hell do i know maybe it was i mean military planes have seen those right we got that video yeah i've seen the ufos so it's possible why would a ufo even want one of our crappy planes though i don't know because surely theirs are better i mean if they got here it seems like they would be right they're not going to be like and now just maybe it's like us going to an antique store Maybe. They're like, oh, here's just a piece of junk. Let's take that home. <laughs> the aliens have <laughs> the plane on a mantle somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To just look back and be like, ah, those were the days. The simpler times. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any profound thoughts about this. Uh, I appreciated the accents, though. I did little, well. little, little international flavor in this episode. Okay, so I believe this is a missing person. Yeah, ten thirty. So go ahead. Oh, I just wrote down missing persons, and then Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. <laughs> and then I literally, despite what I just, I literally just wrote down more international flavor. Wow, I'm just like twelve phrases stitched together, pretending <laughs> to be a person. <laughs> so we're looking for two people, actually, um, which is a bit unusual. At 10.30 p.m. on December 22nd, 1991, a speeding car was pulled over along a highway that led to the local marina in Goose Creek, South Carolina. Inside the car were three men. When the officer asked for their license and registration, no one responded. <laughs> After asking... That's a, that's a little trick you might not be aware of. If a cop asks you for your license and registration and you just don't hand it over, nothing they can do. You found a loophole. <laughs> So he asked again, and the man in the back seat said something in Spanish to the driver. The driver then handed the officer a passport. After running the information on the passport, the officer told the driver to drive carefully, to which he received no response. (laughs) The next day, the officer was surprised to discover that the two front seat passengers of the car were 30... Seven-year-old Eve Emmanuel Payne and his twenty-four-year-old friend Lauren Hernas—probably pronounced that wrong—had been. They had been reporting missing at 
that they had been reported missing at sea and that the Coast Guard had been searching for them for over a month. Wow. The two men were French sailors who had been hired to convoy a French-made sailboat to new, or- to new owners in October 1991. They had embarked on a 2,500-mile voyage from Annapolis, Maryland to Guadalupe in the West Indies. The vessel was a state-of-the-art Antigua catamaran worth $200,000. I mean, it's nothing to me, but... Oh, I just learned what a catamaran is, actually. This is very helpful. From watching Married at First Sight. Okay. How I've been wasting my time. And um, (laughs) when they had the couples go on a honeymoon, they were all, like, making a really big deal about going on a catamaran. And I was like, what the fuck is that? But it's a type of boat that has two or three like flotation parts. And then the boat that you would actually, I'm sure if you actually know anything about boats, you're like cringing at this explanation. But there's like <laughs> flotation parts. And then the boat, like part you'd actually be sitting in, is on top of that. So it's like on top of the water instead of if you think of a boat, like the, the hull of the boat is like in the water and has to move the water to move. So a catamaran can go a lot faster because it's essentially like resting on top of the water with this like platform. That makes sense based on the reenactment in Unsolved Mysteries. I'm picturing it in my head right now. Yeah. So that's all that it means. Did someone get married on the catamaran and married at first sight? No, they just... So... This show is total garbage. It's I and I'm not sure how legitimate it is, but supposedly people get married literally like sight unseen, and then they send them on a honeymoon, and then they have to move in together, and then at the end they decided they want to get divorced. I don't know, but part of the honeymoon was they had all the couples go out on a catamaran, and it it looked really choppy because also because it's on top of the water. It's like feeling every wave, you yeah, know? Be bouncy. So I, I think they just got seasick. I don't know that it was really quite as romantic as it was supposed to be. But <laughs> Everyone's puking. It's not super romantic. <laughs> but everybody just kept using the word catamaran. And I was like, what the hell is that? It really rolls just off the tongue. It's a nice just word to say. boat, you weirdos. <laughs> but... But I guess it is like a different type of thing. And I don't know. I'm imagining you just yelling at your TV. Just say boat, you weirdos. <laughs> but I mean, I'm going to say I've now watched two seasons of this show. And I'm going to, I feel like I have the expertise to say don't marry a complete stranger. You don't say. I feel like that's a bad idea. It's hard to imagine why. They don't seem to go that well. Hmm. I don't. <laughs> when you are marrying someone and you literally don't know their name yet, I wouldn't recommend it. Maybe don't do that. It seems like a bad idea. But if you get to go on a catamaran, maybe that's worth it for you. I feel like it's not worth it. <laughs> I feel like it's really not worth it. Yeah, just to puke off the side of a catamaran. You can do that without getting married. True. That's true. So this catamaran was worth $200,000, and it had high-tech radar, a satellite tracking unit, and electronic navigational equipment. The It was fancy. It was a fancy catamaran. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was called the Antigua, and its design made it virtually unsinkable and also undetectable by radar. Which, where is the radar? Like, is there radar on... I have no idea how that works. Is that, like, the sky? There's... <laughs> 
I don't know. That's a really good question. How do you think like, about the, like the Coast Guard has radar to like know where boats are? Yeah, right? that's true. Well, you're right. That's true. I'm but sure I don't. But, probably have radar. but how does that work? <laughs> uh. Oh no idea. So part part of liking life with a little mystery means I don't need an explanation for everything. Nah, right? You don't have six boats. You don't care. Yeah, I don't. I don't care how that works. There's met a lot of engineers in my family. They want to know how everything works. Look, the the remote turns the TV on when I push the button. That's good enough for me. Might as well be magic. I really don't care. Because there could be a little, there could be a little mystery to life. I don't have to know it all. That's true. That's true. That's why we do this podcast. Unsolved exactly. Mystery. Exactly. Mysteries One of those unsolved, unsolved mysteries, how does radar work? Really don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a mystery to us. How do magnets work? Then saying clown posse asks. And I have to say, I know that they do. And it involves the poles. But beyond that, mm, details are fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. So Robert Stack tells us that this type of vessel would be ideal for a drug or weapons trafficker. I'm not sure what we're supposed to make of that. Because these people were, were using legally weird to transport the boats. <laughs> no, no, they were like, but maybe they were also bringing Robert Stack drugs, and that's how he knew. I mean, maybe they had like a side gig, and they were like, "Well, since we got this boat, we might as well traffic some weapons." I really don't fully understand the situation. I guess he was giving them a motive to either have stolen the boat or explaining how they might have gotten into trouble maybe they were like oh we have to transport this boat that radar will never see we might as well move a bunch of cocaine i mean it seems like too good an opportunity to pass up like of course like, yeah we have this boat we need to move yeah. some cocaine like <laughs> the cocaine isn't gonna move itself yeah it'd be a wasted opportunity i have no idea so the sailors plan to sail down chesapeake bay around cape Hatteras, I don't know, parallel to the U.S., uh, the East Coast, before going to their final destination in Guadalupe. When the vessel failed to arrive on schedule, the Coast Guard was notified. They searched for over two weeks, but there were no signs of the vessel along its course. Surprisingly, the vessel was spotted several times. However, it was seen several miles off course in the intercoastal waterway. This waterway is an inland passage that goes from New England to Florida. There's no explanation for why the boat was there. In December 1991, two of Eve Emanuel's friends flew from France to South Carolina to investigate their disappearances. They started by retracing the vessel's route. Their first stop was a bridge 90 miles north of Charleston, South Carolina. The bridge tender remembered seeing the two missing sailors along with a third man. Which, who was that third man? Dun, dun, dun. Two guys hired. So the third man was not supposed to be on the vessel. However, he was cited by at least five different witnesses. According to the witnesses, the man did not appear threatening, which led some to theorize that one or both of the sailors had been involved in stealing the boat. However, their families and friends dismissed this scenario they, as they do not believe that they would ever have been involved in illegal activity. I mean, Robert Stack is like, this boat is worth 200K. And yeah, that's an expensive boat, but they can't sell it illegally for 200K. There's two of them, possibly three of them. That's not enough money to like live on for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. So I'm skeptical that they stole it as well, unless they just literally were like, this starts our life of international crime. I mean, so these two were hired. Like, why would you... S- like, they know who to go find. 
Right. They would have to be literally like, we are stealing this boat. We are never going back to our families. We are now living under known aliases. Um, this is, is the thing that, that, that broke us. <laughs> no, that's what that's my th- thing. I don't feel like it is. They couldn't just live off that. They would have to keep doing crimes. I mean, I guess they'd have the, to steal other boats. Well, I guess the theory is that they did. They would keep that. They would steal the boat and then they just continue to like be just living a them. life of of crime with the boat. But I don't feel like there's any evidence of that. It's not like they get arrested later doing drug dealing or something. And this boat is invisible to radar, but it's not invisible to people's eyes. Like, (laughs) someone's gonna spot it. It's not like Wonder Woman's plane. (laughs) That would have been quite the unsolved mysteries when they were like, you might think I'm standing in an empty warehouse, but I'm actually standing in front of an invisible boat. You just can't see it. This is one fancy catamaran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this boat is not going to be state of the art forever. No. And uh, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Eve Emanuel's friend, Jean Yves Laniac, <laughs> I can't speak French, y'all. I'm sorry. Is He's convinced that the stranger, perhaps aided by an armed and hidden accomplice, 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 wow, hijacked the Antigua. Uh, Jean believes that the individual did not know how to sail the boat, so he kept the two sailors on board. Two of them? Would that be necessary? I don't know. This seems overly complicated. I think it's just their friend. You get to go on a cool boat ride, you just invite your friend. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Just because it's unlikely for this boat to sink doesn't mean it's impossible. That's what I was going to say. They made it seem like it was completely unsinkable, but is the bitch Titanic? that's what they said about the Titanic. <laughs> Titanic. The most famous sunk boat of all time. <laughs> I mean, I don't maybe I don't know. It seems like they got a little off course maybe and lost. They, yeah. 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 So Eve Emmanuel and Lauren Ernas were last seen on the Antigua, approximately 30 miles south of Charleston, South Carolina. Five weeks later, the two sailors were pulled over in Goose Creek. It is possible that the mysterious third passenger was holding them hostage in the backseat of the car. However, it's also possible that the two men fooled everyone and made off with the Antigua. A third possibility is that the French sailors unintentionally sailed into Cuban waters and are being held in a Cuban prison. However, there's no evidence. <laughs> also, it's just like making stuff up also a ufo could have abducted the whole boat did you think about that maybe. also maybe they sailed into the bermuda triangle aka the triangle of death and we're never seen again like yeah so i guess boats sink that's I, my profound thought i guess this the this theory that they're still alive and that they're just living a life of crime have never contacted their family again is based on the fact that this police officer says that he saw them in the car. But I kind of don't understand why he recognized... Like, they were speaking Spanish, not French. And... <laughs> just because yeah, he, I don't... he thought they... Like, he didn't know of this missing person's case previously. He heard about it later and was like, oh, it was them. Like, eyewitness testimony is not that reliable. Like, do you... Yeah, you I, I don't for a really minute. That. He didn't even write them a ticket. He just pulled them over and then they left harassed them and then he went well that was my harassing random people for no reason for today gonna take a nap in my car how do we know Um, that was actually them we don't why would they be speaking spanish i don't know (laughs) i don't know so 
So this case is unsolved. Eve Emanuel's cousin, um, along with Coast Guard investigators, are still searching for information in this case, according to the Unsolved Mysteries wiki. But I think if they went on to Lives of Crime, they would have been seen again at some point. I would think so. And those are such master criminals that they really have just like gone to the underground and never emerged. <laughs> I, th- I don't know. I'm going to go with boats sink. It's my theory. I mean, boat sink. Maybe aliens. Maybe even beautiful catamarans that are this catamaran is on an alien's mantle along with that plane. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're like, look at this weird boat. <laughs> it has a weird name. People use too much. Okay, our last mystery, right? Yes, an unexplained death. So this goes back to June thirtieth, nineteen ninety one, in Galesburg, Illinois. Uh, where Lois and Larry Williams had been trying to reach their 23-year-old son for two days. If you think, oh, this isn't going to end well, you are correct. Because when they eventually went into the house of Danny Williams, uh, the dad, Larry, crawled in through a window. He found his son dead on the couch with a bullet wound in his forehead, the gun in his hand. So he had recently bought this couch. Oh, sorry. <laughs> The couch? <laughs> he recently bought the house. Maybe the couch. I don't know. Maybe the couch, since he just bought a house, but that's not really as remarkable. Um, he was found dead with a gunshot wound that could have been self-inflicted. So the police like immediately decided it was suicide without really looking into anything. The dad disagreed. He thinks the position of the gun on his lap is a na- is unnatural. And how does he know that? He's from the South, he wants you to know. So he's used lots of guns, all of them, all of the time. He knows guns. Um, Reenactment Danny has a mustache I called the throwback. Hmm. Because even though this mystery is taking place in 91, you it's a very 70s mustache. Yeah. Um. So the father, who knows all this stuff about guns and is unconvinced that his son would commit suicide, I think the reason to bring up that he had just bought the house and possibly couch was like, his life was going well. I don't think they had suspected that, you know, he's 23, he just got his own place, like, why would he commit suicide? So the father hired a PI named Mike Turnkist to prove that his son did not commit suicide. The time of his death had originally been listed at 2.30 a.m., but the P.I. immediately found a neighbor who saw him eight hours later. Is this the nosy neighbor? Yes. This is this amazing woman, my new hero, Darlene, who is his neighbor, who goes, I shouldn't admit it, but I watch everybody's business. (laughs) I laughed out loud. (laughs) Which is one of the greatest quotes we've had on this show. Um, So she saw him get into a car with a woman with dark hair. The police insist that she is confused and that this was actually the day before when his mother picked him up. Oh, what does Darlene have to say about that, though? Darlene is not having it. Darlene says that's bullshit because that woman was way too young to be her mother. And she knows it was Saturday and not Friday. (laughs) And you know what? I take Darlene's word for it. So do I. So another suspicious thing about the death scene was that there was no blood spatter. When they removed the bullet from the wall behind Danny's head, there was just one tiny speck of blood. And you would think that there would be blood spatter. This was the most on the wall 
me. Yeah, it is odd. Um, so an uh, independent forensic scientist was brought in by the family. He used, I don't think it was luminol, but he used this like blue light thing to find that evidence of blood was in several places, including on the TV set. Meaning that someone else had been there to move blood or had there had been blood splatter, but it had been cleaned up, maybe. Um, the blood evidence for this isn't the most advanced. So they found both B, type, two types of blood in the house, type B and type O. So Danny was type B, and um, but we don't know for sure that that's his blood. Um and, but then also we don't know where the type O came from at all. The state claims that the, the blood couldn't be typed definitively. They sort of are skeptical that the type O blood is really type O, I guess. But they also say that it's unknown how long the blood had been there. Which is a good point, I think, for the carpet. Like, do, do we know that blood evidence is from this death? Like, no, not necessarily. Because we don't... This doesn't... I don't know why, but I'm so tongue twisted. We don't know necessarily how old this blood is, but so I can buy that for the carpet, but I do not buy that for the television. Right. How many people get blood on the television? <laughs> like you cut yourself, you might get blood on the carpet, but on the television. Right. There could be blood on the car. Like he just bought this house, right? Someone used to live there. Maybe there was an accident. Maybe something happened. Blood got on the carpet. It was cleaned up. Sure plausible that tv (laughs) didn't used to be there that's a new addition to the new home so for there to be blood splatter that's going onto the carpet and onto the tv and is found in other parts of the house i don't think that can all be there from another time no and if it was what happened was there another murder in this house before right Right, because it's a lot of blood yeah all over the house um yeah also, this forensic scientist guy opened up the couch that Danny died on. So the couch he was on was a sofa bed. And it doesn't sound like the police bothered to open it okay, when, when looking for evidence. So he opens up the sofa bed and immediately finds another shell casing. So the police already had one shell casing. The crime scene suggests that there's only one bullet fired, right? The bullet that's gone into to Danny's head and then into the wall behind him. Why is there this other shell casing? It was from Danny's gun and it could was recently fired. So does that mean that a second shot was also fired at the same time? Did Danny shoot someone that was in his home? It's hard to say. Now, at this point, the forensic scientist tries to sit on the couch and line up the bullet hole to Danny's hand. This is something we've seen in other reenactments where it's like, okay, if the body is here and the bullet hole is there, that means I have to hold my hand at this angle, right? But when the forensic scientist does that, he's basically like really leaning forward in this kind of unnatural way that if you were sort of sitting tipping on the edge of your couch to shoot yourself, you would fall forward. You wouldn't fall backwards. Right. Which is how Danny was found. Like, if he really was using that hand to shoot himself, you would think he would have been found on the floor. So then there was a question, was he shot somewhere else and moved? Which it kind of seems like. At least not shot on the couch. Like, maybe shot in the house. But... 
it doesn't line up the trajectory. Oh my god, the trajectory, the trajectory. Oh my god, (laughs) the path of the bullets. I can't say the word trajectory today. The path of the bullets doesn't line up. Okay, so according to but so you're going. Oh, there's no way he killed himself. This is all very suspicious. But now there's a wrinkle that according to Danny's girlfriend, six months before his death, he had placed a handgun to his head during an argument with her. And when she turns to leave, he pulled the trigger, firing the gun into the wall. Yeah. So he doesn't seem like the most stable dude. Um, then is the question, if he is murdered, why? Like, who wants him dead? Um, the update that Unsolved Mysteries gives us is that the cause of death was changed officially from suicide to uncertain, that they couldn't determine if it was suicide or murder. Um, I think there's a tiny little bit more. No, Unsolved Mysteries doesn't have anything either. So this is still unsolved. Um, it's still listed as uncertain. Unfortunately, both of his parents have both passed away. I don't know. I think the blood evidence is very strange, but also I'm not sure how trustworthy it is. Yeah. It's the blood on the TV that really makes me think maybe someone moved something. Maybe something cleaned it up. I don't know. Maybe his girlfriend was there. I feel like we don't really have enough information. This seems like another case where the police were happy to take the easiest explanation that it was suicide and couldn't even bother to find stuff like shell casings and blood evidence. They really phoned it in. Right. So I don't think this is ever going to be solved. And it might be that it's a suicide. Um, but we don't know. And I w- I'm sure his family would have liked to know definitively one way or another. Yeah. And that's where the episode ends. That's it. Four mysteries later. Should we conclusion. read it? I think we have to by law. All right. Well, we follow the law always. So, <laughs> mysteriousness? Actually, pretty mysterious. Yeah, actually. Um, we don't know what happened to a lot of these people. Where are they? Give us a call. If you stole this catamaran, our email address is perhaps <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. You can tell us. We will not narc on you. We no. just want to know why. Yeah, no, we're, we would never do that. No. Um, but the, yeah. there's a lot of mysterious stuff going on. Where's that plane? Does a UFO have it? What happened to Danny? Where's the catamaran? Even your first mystery, which is solved. I, this guy, I wish we knew more about him. I feel like he's he a, mysterious a very fellow. mysterious life. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's chock full of mystery. Thumbs up. Thumbs way up. Yes. Reenactments? Uh, they're fine. I kind of wish the UFO thing wasn't so long. I'm going to say the cgi and the ufo one they could have done better they could have done better we could have done better yeah yeah it really is just like a green flashlight light it's not impressive that actor was really trying his hardest to make it seem impressive and kudos to him but you're right i'm gonna say thumbs down actually not impressed with the alien one um yeah i agree uh but fashion how are we feeling about the fashion I think it could have been better. I think the French sailors could have been wearing sailor outfits, whether or not they really were in real life. <laughs> um, nothing really stands out, honestly. Yeah, no, no. I, I wish maybe the like 
women of mystery from your first case were dressed a little bit more like Carmen Sandiego. I think there was room for some dramatic embellishment that they did not take. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Thumbs down. <laughs> and uh, Robert Stack, was he really in it? I feel like we didn't He's see barely in him. it. I will say that. the trend going forward? He's just like, yeah, that's great. When's my check clear? Um, I was impressed with his French pronunciation. I mean, I'm not French, so maybe it was terrible, but it sounded really good to me. Based solely on that, I will give him a sideways. Otherwise, he would get a thumbs down. Yeah, I agree. Because he wasn't even there. I mean, no, he, he, was, he was he was he was too busy learning about catamarans to see if he wanted to buy one himself. <laughs> Ooh, catamaran. He was like, I, I, oh, catamaran mystery. That's a good point. I don't own a catamaran. And then he was just distracted and doing rich people stuff. Yeah. He was finding out if like the like there's the yacht club. He was trying to find out if there was a separate catamaran club. Look, I don't know what rich people do. I assume stuff like that. They yell at their maids about their ascots. I don't know. I assume so. <laughs> what, a, what a sad day. All right. So on our Robert Stack scale of possible five Robert Stacks. I feel like three. I do think this could be a three. It was a it's not better great. episode than the last one, but it's not like. It's got good ver. It's got. Sorry. It's got good variety, um, and I do appreciate the international flavor, as I said, even though it sounds like I'm talking about shitty instant coffee. Um, I None of them are super remarkable, and that's what's keeping it down, is that I watched this Saturday. It's now Tuesday. I was like, what are we talking about? Yeah. All right. A, a, a UFO abducted a whole plane. Uh yeah, I'm going to go with a three. What do you think? I agree. I think a three is fair because I don't know that this is an episode I'm going to remember. Right. It seems a little forgettable. Yeah. I think they could have I think they could have punched these up a little bit. I don't know if the music could have been more dramatic or what, but yeah. it did, it did kind of leave me wanting a little Unsolved Mystery something that wasn't yeah, there. I agree. The true magic. You know, sometimes you make a meal you make all the time and you're just like, I don't know, this one's this one's not as good. No. This meatloaf, subpar to my usual meatloaf, you say. That's how I feel about this. I agree. That's a three. That meatloaf gets a three. <laughs> ah, usually it's better. I don't I don't know what I did different. That's how I feel about this episode. Yeah. It's missing the certain something. Agreed. Well, we should probably recommend something. Well, this week, I'm actually going to unrecommend something. Ooh, I like this. This is like because, those like unhaul videos. Yeah, these are the stuff I'm not going to buy. Um, I'm hoping to save people a little bit of time. Okay, my unrecommendation, which is that I do not recommend the vow. Mm, okay, on which you know, you already know. This I already about know this. Me. I've watched what, like half an episode of the vow, and I also don't recommend. It. Yeah, <laughs> but so you the have vow invested is on. <laughs> Uh, HBO Max. I did watch all of it. I can't remember how many episodes it is, but it's so long. This is a documentary series about the Nexium cult, which everybody remembers as the sex cult that involved branding. Mm -hmm. So I did. I want to know more. Of course, I did. I heard about branding sex cult. I was like, "Tell me everything." <laughs> then I sat down to watch the vow, and I went, 
actually tell me a lot less. I was incorrect about that. Because now I heard there's a second series um, called Seduced, I think, okay. on Amazon. I'll probably watch that as well. I'll let people know if that actually gets a recommendation instead of an unrecommendation. The Vow, though, is so boring. It's so long. It repeats itself over and over again. It cannot decide if it's going through events chronologically or by people involved. So that as different people are introduced in the docuseries, it sort of starts over again. Ugh. I hate the style of editing where sometimes they're talking about ideas that this cult leader had who which he insisted everybody called him Vanguard. Somehow that was not a giant red flag immediately. <laughs> but to be talking about ideas like enlightenment and to, to, to have a visual for that, they make these stupid montages of like galaxies and fish and like bugs coming out. of. And I don't know. I hated that. But the, the bigger problem is that it's just so repetitive and there's so little like actually interesting information. There's no way it needed to be this long. Also, this is only the first season. <laughs> it only gets to him getting arrested. There's going to be like another season of the trial. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to sit through more of this. <laughs> oh, so you're like, but Liz, there's a sex cult. Mm, sort of. So Nexium was this almost like it's barely a cult. Yeah, it's I like mean, a, it is and it isn't. It was like, like this hokey business thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like this corporate wellness, like reach your both best potential sort of thing. It's something like your company might foolishly send you on for like a bonding thing. Like, oh, this will all make you better. Go take this Nexium class on like achieving your potential. Now there is some some sort of weird stuff. The leader of it wants to be called Vanguard. <laughs> they achieve like different sashes that are way too short, so they look cheap. ridiculous. They got these at Dollar General. They're like <sighs> cheap scarves. <laughs> they, they don't even look like they'll stay on because they're not the right length. They're like not the length scarves need to be. It's like someone who's never seen a scarf came up <laughs> with this idea. So yes, is that strange? But so much of this cult which I don't even think really started to be a cult. I think they just started it as this kind of scam for business people. It's just like worksheets. It's like lists and goals. And <laughs> and way like, too long of comp. Like you go to a workshop where you're so tired uh, the whole time. You just want to be fed. You just want lunch. Like that's what everyone's you're, looking you're for. Like, you where's then, my bagel sandwich? And they're <laughs> like, after lunch, first, you like want to take a nap because you've eaten so much, but you have to do like, yeah, a personality test or you have to like yeah, share your experiences. Yeah. You just like sit in small groups and, and talk about something you brainstormed. I don't know. It's just seems awful but what happened was that this thing got so popular people were so hooked on these classes and moving up the ranks and whatever that eventually this vanguard guy realizes that he has enough power and sway over people to force some of them to have sex with him this is keith ranieri right yes yeah. sorry i i call him vanguard samantha <laughs> to show proper respect yeah they're following this guy named keith which, okay, the most disturbing part of this documentary to me, which I didn't know this ahead of time, is that he made everybody play basketball. <laughs> I mean, sorry, volleyball. Yeah. My least least enjoyed sport to play in gym class. He's, like, calling people up to play volleyball with him at, like, 2 in the morning. 
this little like weaselly guy with a ponytail and a sweatband. And I was like, this is the guy that you're following to like the end of the earth. This volleyball guy. Ugh, ugh. So you don't even, I don't know. You don't even hear that much about the sex part. The branding is weird. I'll say that. Oh my God. They do it with a small yeah. soldering. Okay. When I first heard branded, I'm picturing like a cow in a cartoon, right? Sure. You put the, the thing with the mark in the fire, it gets hot, you stick it on the person. It's horrible, but it takes like five seconds. No, they used a small soldering iron. It took 30 minutes to to brand those people. I assume you well, didn't like, listen to the podcast. Smells, no. I guess it was really big like two years ago or something. I did not. Yeah, it sounds, this branding thing sounds so brutal. <laughs> Yeah, it that so that was I don't know unpleasant, not interesting. You gotta like think about the fact that that would smell. Ugh, Ooh, ugh. You're in a little room, like you're in someone's basement or something. I think. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. There's not even like cool robes. There's like so little this cult has going for it. My favorite part of the documentary. So they they follow a few people who were very involved and then decided that they need to get out. And one of the ways that this is like a cult is that they make it very hard for you to leave. But one of these women who was like all in, she, this was like her job. She, this literally was her job. She got paid to like host these seminars and shit. So that's been her whole life for like years and years. She eventually gets talked into doing what they're told the sex cult is, is this female empowerment thing. So she was like, oh yeah, that sounds good. And then eventually gets talked into being branded. Okay. That seems like a leap. But is that when she leaves? No, it's when she finds out people are having sex with Keith. She doesn't even have to have sex with him. No one brings that up. It's just the idea that other people are doing that. And she's like, I'm out. This is a woman that just got branded. Someone took a soldering iron by her vagina for 30 minutes. She put up with that. She thought that made her like very strong and tough. She was kind of into it. But then she was like, oh, my God, people are having sex with Keith. That's disgusting. I'm out of here. And so she like blows up her whole life to to leave Nexium because of that. And because she finds out the brand is his initials, which she's not super happy about. Yeah, I can imagine. So that's fascinating. Is it worth watching this thing? No, absolutely not. So much people just driving around talking on the phones. So boring. <laughs> oh my god. I felt like I had to watch the whole thing. I felt like weirdly obligated to do it don't don't make my mistake i I just told you all the interesting stuff what what someone told me and i don't know if this is true is that this documentary is made by someone who was part of nexium which in a way is good because it had they have access to a lot of the like training videos and stuff like that they have access to a lot of the information but it's almost like too sympathetic it's almost like, of course, we all thought he was a genius. Look how great he is. It's like, no, I don't see that at all. It's like whichever one of the Fire Festival documentaries was produced by right. like the Fuck Jerry guys and was like very sympathetic to them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think I want to maybe this other one is going to be harsher, but they like also don't always present information with a very critical eye. Like they actually act like this guy cured Tourette's. Okay. Hmm. That's like never questioned or examined again. They just like show him curing Tourette's and we're like, see, this is why we all thought he was great. It's like, um, okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think it's very well made at all, despite 
the subject matter. I guess uh, I would recommend the podcast, which I don't really remember a ton about because like I know there's a lot of firsthand accounts and interviews. So but I remember enjoying it. That is called Uncover. It's a CBC radio podcast. And Uncover is like a series. I think they actually did one about the Satanic Panic, which I haven't listened oh, okay. to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But their first season is about Nexium. And I remember really enjoying that podcast. And it's obviously a lot shorter. Um, that would so be a much better use of time than this, which was. Maybe listen to that instead. I mean, I feel like no one has HBO Max. So it's probably like not even an issue. But Ugh. the vow. I <laughs> vow to never watch that again. <laughs> Well, I'll give you something that you could watch, perhaps. Okay, yeah. It's that's very good. different. So I, when it comes time to do these recommendations, I always feel like I should recommend something obscure that like, I've discovered. I'm going to like, I don't know. You're going to blow, blow everyone's people. mind. Yeah. yeah. But then I realize that, that that's not sustainable. I'm just not discovering a lot of <laughs> jewels in the desert, so to speak. <laughs> um, so I'm recommending something that probably everyone knows about and probably a lot of people are watching, but it's bringing me so much joy in quarantine, and that is the reboot of Supermarket Sweep. Liz knows this. Ah, I'm yes, obsessed. Yes. <laughs> I love it so much. The like Some of the original episodes are on Netflix. You can watch some of the old ones with that guy who's like weirdly chipper and always wears like very dated clothes. I don't find he's like a he's like a big time libertarian, that guy. Tell me that. And I it makes sense. You it know, does. Actually, now. Like <laughs> having watched some of the original episodes. It, that they're fine. Whatever. They're kind of a time capsule. If you enjoy that aspect of Unsolved Mysteries, you'd like the original uh supermarket suite. But the reboot is so good. I love it. Travis and I love it. Um, we like don't miss an episode. Um, Leslie Jones is the host and is so fucking funny. Leslie Jones narrates Supermarket Sweep like I watch, like I watch Supermarket Sweep, where it's like, "What are you doing? Get the turkey! <laughs> where is your cart? Are you grabbing that? It's not even expensive." She screams the whole time. It's so funny. Uh, I absolutely adore it. Um, the characters that they have on are amazing. They they really know how to cast this thing. You can watch it for free, too, which I was concerned about because I don't pay for Hulu anymore and I don't have cable. You can watch it on Hulu if you have a Hulu subscription, but you can also watch it on the ABC app, which we watch on our Roku. I don't know where else you could watch it, but it is free. I do think there's, you have to like wait a week, maybe, until you can watch it for free. We're like an episode, purposely an episode behind, so each week we have one to watch. <laughs> Perfect. Um, how do we get on supermarket sweep do you know that you know what? i and, think we should find out because i think we'd be really good at it um and it sounds super fun like the strategy seems to be we have kind of figured out the strategy you got to okay, get the okay. bonuses because oh, you will sure, watch yeah. someone go through the supermarket and get some amazing shit all the turkeys all the cheeses all the dog food whatever special items but if they don't get the bonuses no matter how big their cart total is, it, they never seem to win. It's the people that get mm, bonuses. Mm. You really got to focus on getting those bonuses. Um, the inflatables, you got to get those. Um, so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. But yeah, so I think I kind of have a strategy down. So I feel like um, we should probably go on it. I already have the sweatshirt. I'm Black Friday. Travis got me a supermarket sweep, sweep sweatshirt. <laughs> so sweet. It's so sweet. So I'm already ready. I love it. I'm like a fangirl. It's so good. Uh, highly recommend. Yeah, my brother used to watch a lot of Supermarket Sweep back in the day. So it is. I haven't watched the new one, but the old ones are a nice little I time did too. capsule of some 
very 90s sweaters and food they don't make anymore and <laughs> it's true there's occasionally something where you'd be like i've never heard of that brand yeah, i don't also know what that true. Is. or there's i don't i mean i'm assuming i filmed that in los angeles i guess i don't actually know but you're just like that's not a thing here we don't have whatever no, no. And <laughs> I've, I've never heard of this cleaner in my life I remember loving Supermarket Sweep, watching it as a kid, and then when it came to Netflix, being so excited about it, but then just kind of being disappointed, it's just not as good. Um, but the reboot is so good. They've really improved it. There's all these, like, side characters, too. <laughs> like, the checkout guy and, like, this security guard has, like, this recurring role. He's really funny. <laughs> I don't know. They've done a really good job. I quite enjoy it. And I'm not typically a game show person, but I really like it. It's a show that costs, what, like $5 and it's all product placement. Like, they should have brought this back ages ago. I don't know that it costs $5 because it, we looked this up because Travis was convinced that all the produce was fake. He's like, there's no way this is all real. What would they do with it afterwards? But it is all real. It's like a real supermarket that they stage. Huh. And then they apparently give the food away to charity. Apparently, all of the meat goes to, like, zoos. So, like, Tiger King style. Like, no. So, so it could be it still looks okay if it goes like a little bit bad in someone's cart. I think so, yeah. It's like, well, a lion's gonna eat that turkey. It's right. <laughs> not a human. Huh. Yeah. See? Now I know. I didn't know that before. Yeah. You learn something here, perhaps it's you. We're a very educational podcast. You know what we really are? We're doing a service. You're welcome, five listeners. Yeah, you're so welcome. So be sure to leave us a five star review thanking us for yes. everything we've taught you over the years. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. Perhaps it's you on all those things. You could email us a paranormal tale of something that happened to you. Perhaps it's you podcast gmail.com. Uh, if you go to our website, perhaps it's you.com. We, I keep our recommendations there. Also, you can hit merch to get t-shirts, including black t-shirts, sweatshirts, yes. you know, all that good stuff. Head over to Instagram if you want to see front of the part pod arden modeling we have blank yes. black tank tops now i'm not a tank top person myself but arden looks amazing in it we and if you're a tank top person you're gonna want one arden to model one for us so be sure to check that out to see how style it's high fashion really yeah. Yeah. uh you'll want to see that i we never tell people to subscribe to this podcast but you really should please do yeah subscribe yeah whatever, download all that stuff and if you want to give us a dollar on Patreon, you can hear us talk about the Unsolved Mysteries reboot. Oh, yeah. We're going to That's what we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, we need to record that soon. So that's what's happening this month. We'll be talking about some episodes from the second installment of the Netflix reboot. Yes. Sadly, not the Supermarket Sweep reboot. Do you think you could do a Supermarket yeah. Sweep rewatch podcast? I don't know. You like analyze the strategy afterwards. They're like, you shouldn't have got all that dish soap. That was a mistake. <laughs> like, it's like a sports recap podcast, but for yeah. supermarkets. Yeah, that's a really good comparison because I have no idea how people talk about sports I don't so know. much. I, I, have don't no, I have no idea how there's like shows before the Super Bowl. Like, not, literally nothing's happened. <laughs> and then, so there's hours, hours of that. And then after it, it's like, well, that was the Super Bowl, all right. And somehow... They have enough to talk about. So, don't know. know. What? That's a mystery. One I will never solve. Nope. Because I just don't care. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, five listeners. Thanks, BD Wong. I hope you're staying safe and healthy out there. All right. Yep. Keep barking. Bye. Bye.